Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Razorback Nation, welcome to this episode of the Hog Talk Podcast. If you like what you're listening to, make sure you hit the subscribe button and leave us a review while you're listening on your Apple device. You can also catch us on Spotify, Stitcher, Anchor, iHeartRadio, and any popular podcast platform. You can also catch the Hog Talk daily, following us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, Discord, and our website, thehogpen.net. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Hog Talk. Jay's on the corner playing spades. I'm an ordinary person, but a pain. Wipe it out. Fox flipping, wet and smoking, and we choking off a whole pound of purple. Famous like the Ninja Turtle. Wipe it out. Just left New York City, hooked up with Pete. Did it finna blow past 50, you gon' have to. Wipe it out. We the best, I'm a fool, I'm the Hemi man. Red light, green light, yellow light. Welcome to episode number 34 of the Hog Talk Podcast. This is your host, Jacob Davis. In Springdale, it's Ty and in Ozark, it's Peck. Ty, how's it going tonight, man? Doing well, doing well. I mean, all things considered, not too bad. I like to gripe and moan about my... Fancy football and all that, but everything was a good weekend, you know. Rams won. I'm slaughtering my opponent in fantasy football. The baseball season's done with for me, so I don't have to worry about the Cardinals. So not a bad sports weekend. Uh, just looking forward to getting through this week and uh, getting ready for, you know, whatever they're going to do in Fayetteville next weekend. I think they got a football game. I'm not really sure. If, uh, we might want to double check that. Yeah, we know how Peck feels about this weekend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a rather interesting weekend. Um, we uh, had my his stepson's 14th birthday party, and we was in Van Buren last night, and I got to watch through the big screen of a lot of interceptions and touchdowns for the other team. So yeah, it was it was fun. Well, how about your Clemson Tigers? We got to add that in there when you're on the show. You have to add the fact that uh, your Clemson Tigers are down to number four in the AP poll. Yeah, yeah, uh, man, uh, I don't like it. I, I, I think it's, um, I, I don't know. I don't want to get too many people in this part of the country upset, but uh, I have my <laughs> theories on the SEC bias and, uh, you know, oh, just means more. And, uh, <laughs> you know, um, that's just my opinion. I mean, I don't see how they can say that a certain team's struggling when they're up 41-7 at halftime and they drop. Yeah. You're the defending national championships. You're 23 and 0 the past two years, and you drop. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, of course they're wanting to preserve that one-two matchup with uh, Alabama and LSU, which LSU's done really good to this year. I mean, I, I'm not taking anything away from them, but Ohio State hasn't done anything to grant jumping Clemson, and and for them to keep falling. You know, everybody wants to keep bringing up that North Carolina game and hold it against them. And I'm telling you, that's fuel for Dabo's fire. He wants that underdog chip on his shoulder. He's fueled up the rest of y'all bus, and he's ready to go. So, honestly, I'm, I like it because they're playing in Clemson's hands, and when we're winning the national championship again this year, <laughs> I'm be like, I told you so. Well, Eric, let me say this. I, I have watched, I'm sure like you guys – uh, I know you work during the day, Porter, and, and Jacob, maybe you get to catch some football. I have watched quite a bit of LSU this year uh, on and off with Ohio State, Clemson, and Alabama. I'm going to be real. I really feel like Clemson and Alabama are not playing to what you know to the level or the standard that they were at a year ago. Now, I think this changes because, like you said, Dabo Dabo's a winner. He's a proven winner. We all know that. He, he makes necessary changes when he has to. He's – you know, he's willing to adapt. He's just a solid coach with a great staff. He's got Venables. But at this point, I don't think they're playing as well. And here's what's crazy and why I think LSU and Ohio State in their top five, they're they're absolutely on fire. Like the 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 eye test. LSU with Joe Burrow, I'm telling you guys, I, he might be the best quarterback in college football. Their defense is legit. LSU just is doing everything right. I don't think Alabama – honestly, I have a hard time with Alabama at two. I realize they just smoked, you know, a really, really good Arkansas team. <coughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I mean, a horrific Arkansas team. But I would almost put LSU and Ohio State in front of Bama and then maybe even Clemson in front of Bama. 
Bite um, your tongue. <laughs> that's just where I'm at. I just I'm not blown away by Clemson on top but of the fact nobody that nobody is halfway that grind, through the season. But yeah. that well, but true, but their grind so far though, Peck, I, I don't think it's been anything special. Just like Bama, who the hell have they beaten this year? I mean, who have they honestly gotten a win over that has you saying, okay, that is legitimate and a national title power, a playoff team? And I think the same thing can be said of Clemson. I do think, however, Alabama and Clemson, when it comes time, they're both going to be in the playoffs. It's going to be interesting, though. This game coming up in a couple of weeks with LSU and Alabama, that is going to be uh, a lot's going to happen that week. And you've got uh, who, who all lost? Oklahoma. Lost this <laughs> week. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I hate OU. I, a bit that you guys don't know about me, I am a partial OSU fan because I grew up an hour from Stillwater and I hate OU. I didn't know that. Yeah, I grew up in I Oklahoma for the first 12 years of my life. So, really? I mean, I was a Razorback fan from birth, but I lived in 12 years for uh, tw- uh, Inspire, Oklahoma, which is about an hour, uh, wet, or hour east of, of Stillwater. So, I grew up a Oklahoma State fan, and so I hate the Sooners. <laughs> he rode that bandwagon over from Spyro to Fayetteville. Yeah. I didn't ride a bandwagon. My, I mean, my <laughs> family is originally from South Arkansas, and so, so I mean, I just lived in Oklahoma from, like, the time I was 8 to, to 12, but I was always a Razorback fan first, but I hated Oklahoma State just because – or Oklahoma. I was an Oklahoma State fan because I just hated Oklahoma. Listen, no That's one, all I touched my head. Nobody would blame you if you if you hopped back with the folks. Nobody would blame <laughs> you. And they're not even that good this year, but like nobody would blame you if you did. Uh who was the other team? So Oklahoma lost. Notre Dame my, got beat bad. Notre too. Dame Woo! lost. Man, Texas bad. lost. Oh, horns down. Mm. Throw throw That's, a flag at us. There's for your that. flag. We just got a flag for that. But I thought they were back. We are what? What do you say? We're back. back. Yeah, right. On your on your backs. Well, like somebody said, back to mediocrity. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is completely true. Uh, horns down. So the uh, game that we want to talk about. What was that? Is there a cricket match Saturday? I, I really thought there was a soccer match. Women's soccer. I think did they clinch the. Uh, uh, SEC West Championship or the SEC or what's go what's going on there? They already the clinched the West a couple of games ago, and they had Senior Night tonight against Georgia, and it was a one-one draw. That's, so yeah. they've only got one That's conference awesome. loss. Yep. You're, yeah, you, it was a one-one draw. You are our like. You are so up on women's sports, and that's just that's a testament to you, and that just tells you that Jacob and I need to get on board. Um, yeah, they're pretty good, and at least there's something at this point in the season to brag about. Because I I try to retweet them. Uh, favor any other comments like I'm really trying to get get around to that especially because you know I've said before I got two daughters one of them absolutely is pretty good at soccer my older one and she likes it and I want to take her and it's it's that much more fun when you can go and not only is it fun to watch for them it's fun to watch for me and they're ranked they're good there's something good on campus well it's affordable and it is affordable very true and Hope Solo also retweeted or, or quoted uh, one of Arkansas's goals the other night too, which that. was like a that was a, a laser from like, beam. That it was from was, wasn't that the midfield? That was incredible. Yeah, it was from midfield. It looked like oh, it. Amazing. I mean, you know, it had to be like a forty-yard strike. <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> That's a weapon. That's I a watched weapon. that. I watched it over and over and over again because I'm thinking, my goodness, I can't even kick it twenty yards and straight. <laughs> <laughs> but I think with the women's sports guys, I mean, I think with. With the, the golf team having success, the soccer team having success, Mike Neighbors has got things rolling up on the hill. I mean, I think it's time we start giving these women's athletics their, their due credit instead of having to wait till an SEC tournament or, or a deep run in a NIT or a national tournament berth to get credit. I think we, right. we give them that credit now because I'm telling you guys, I don't know if y'all are on that board, the train yet, but – with with what Mike Neighbors has gotten in his squad with Dungey and Tolfree, I'm telling you, they're going to be a special group. And, you know, coming up Wednesday, I'll be at the Oklahoma City University game. But, you know, we're going to start having that game-by-game content every every game. So be looking forward to that. 
Yeah, we, oh, we yeah. I want to like actually try to go to some games too this year. And again, I want not just to take my daughters, but I would love to take them to sporting events because I grew up with my dad taking me to sporting events. So it's cool that they can they can relate to the ladies on the court, you know, and she, I think my older daughter wants to be an athlete and it's like, okay, well, let's, let's go watch, watch these ladies that are actually good. And there's an actual good product on the field or on the court. This is what it looks like. So I, I need to go to a game. That's my bad. But when I was a kid, look, I went to several games and, you know, they were off and on mostly pretty good back in the nineties. And, and I hope, and I think that Mike neighbors is, is going to get him there. I, I, again, I don't know enough to say that they're tournament bound, but with um, with what they have coming back this year, yeah, I think. And, you know, we talked. We had neighbors on the show. For those of you who missed that, we had him on several episodes back. And, and uh, if that guy doesn't get you pumped up for women's basketball, I don't know. I don't really – I don't know what to tell you. I don't know who else could. It was, but I, I think they're going to have a pretty good year. Chelsea Dungy, that's who I was trying to think of. Chelsea Dungy's going to be a beast. Yeah. Uh, it was she episode 22. She isn't first, yeah, she isn't first-team All-American. I mean, she is that good. I mean, she carried that team to that success in that uh, SEC tournament run last year. And, you know, they were like one of the first four out. I mean, they were on the brink, and they actually should have got in because the team that they beat in the regular season, Tennessee, Tennessee, Tennessee got yep. in, and, they, and you can't tell me that the name, the brand, didn't have anything to do with that. That is exactly what happened, and it's a Yeah, Because if you, if you remember – that would have been Tennessee's first year to ever miss the women's tournament. So of course they're not gonna they're not gonna keep them out. Nope. No. Yeah. Yeah. yeah episode number twenty two with Mike Neighbors. He gives us a uh, rundown of the roster and the schedule and things that you should watch for this season. Uh, you can go back about twelve episodes. Uh, is is six about a month and a half ago we had Mike Neighbors on. He was a good guy. Really enjoyed having him on and and he has a really good thing going. Uh, for the Lady Razorbacks. So, the elephant in the room that we need to address right literally, now. Literally. That we've been ignoring for 11 minutes and 5 seconds <laughs> is the 48-7 to massacre that happened at, at Bryant-Denny Stadium in Tuscaloosa, Alabama last night. It was like a lamb being led to a slaughter. It was It was, it was terrible. And and anybody that went in thinking that Arkansas was even going to have a chance, ESPN, even I talked about that Friday on a uh, impromptu live show uh, on Friday afternoon that ESPN was giving Arkansas a chance. There was no chance in in. And how does that song go by Vince McMahon that he comes out to? <laughs> no chance in hell. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what <laughs> that that was what I was giving Arkansas last week or last night against Alabama and it was pathetic. And and plus, I mean I'm gonna go I'm gonna go on here. You guys be quiet for about five minutes. Oh. Uh -oh. Okay. Okay. If your special teams guys do not know where they're at on the field and they field a kick at the three yard line and step out of bounds when the kick was clearly gonna go out of bounds, your special teams is not very special. If you're Ace returner is going to the sideline calling for a carrot bash when it was clearly going to go out of bounds. Let it go out of bounds. Be aware of your field position. If you're going to keep a quarterback in the ball game or interject him after another quarterback is running, down, uh, running the ball down the field and you throw a bomb like you did with Cole Kelly time after time, it's predictable. We saw it last year. You take Ty Story out for a second and throw a deep ball with Cole Kelly for one play, and it goes for a pick six when you're already bleeding right before halftime, let the onslaught, onslaught begin. That It's pathetic. The, the coaching material is not there. The, the awareness from the players, we should be coached in practice, executed in practice. It's week after week after week we are made fun of on a national scale on special teams. It goes all the way back to last season. And I honestly thought that Arkansas was wouldn't get any worse on special teams when when North Texas came to town. Guys, this is pathetic. The play calling is pathetic. The preparation by the coaching staff is pathetic. 
And I will say it, just like Morris does. It is unacceptable, and fans do not deserve it. Guys, maybe Peck. Peck, you go first. Just, just tell me about it. It's just it's hard for me to watch the games. It's hard for me, especially like the end. You see John Stephen Jones come in there with so much passion, so much heart, and actually had leadership, drove the team down the field. And there is nothing that is going to piss off a fan base more than when you're getting blown out. You actually finally make that change to a quarterback, and he comes in and has success. They're going to sit there and be like, why have you been doing this the whole time? That shows you right there all this crap about talent. We don't have the talent. We don't have the talent. That was a lot of the Alabama's first string defense on that field when he did that touchdown drive. But I look, mean, drove the ball down the field and scored. Look, it wasn't all of them, but it was a lot of the ones. But, but Coach Morris, he has to have that spark when he replaces a quarterback. He has to have that spark. No offense to John Stephen Jones, but he went 6-7 for 46 yards last night. A spark is Starko coming off the bench and playing magnificently against Ole Miss or playing like he did against Colorado State. That's a spark. Going 6-7 for 46 yards is not a spark. Okay. You might, you might want to clarify. A touchdown that is, not. though. A touchdown is. A touchdown is a spark. And here's but, the deal. He was doing a lot of, but how many of those yards was he running? You got to, yeah. how many yards did he have rushing? I mean, we're quick to throw out. He was four for four for 60 yards. But there was times when they needed a first down on a third down run. He, he got took it. that ball and he got a first down. Now, yeah. I'm not sitting out here saying that he should be the starter or he should automatically be be the number one. I'm saying that it's just frustrating looking at a guy that is number three on the depth chart having more success, like with the command and running the ball, than yeah. the one and two guy. That's all I'm saying on that. And yeah. he got them first downs when nobody else could. could. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he had six rushes for 14 yards, which I really liked what he did where he would wait until the defensive ends bit on the read option. He would have that ball in the belly of the running back and take it out. I mean, I mean, the defensive ends had already, blit, or already bitten on the fake. And so I, I was impressed by that. Uh, it just shows what a, not, I mean, a dual threat or a running quarterback can do for you. Um, Arkansas only had 213 yards of total offense. And without Tua took a Baloa. Our, uh, Alabama had 459 yards total, 23 first downs, six penalties, had the ball for 34 minutes and 34 seconds. But hey, here's a winner. Here's a winner in the uh, box score: Arkansas, zero penalties. And, and this one is in the one thing I'll, I'll, I'll end my take on this. And I tweeted this out: the saddest thing I've seen the whole game was Nick Saban showed more passion and more intensity up 48 to nothing on a penalty because a guy was lined up offsides giving Arkansas a first down that I seen Chad Morris show all season. The dude is up 48 to nothing, and he is blowing his guys up. That shows you right there that pay attention to detail because, yeah, it don't matter now, but come playoff time or SEC championship time, or national championship game, that one penalty can cost you a national championship. Yeah, absolutely. Ty, what you got, man? Mm, I mean, you guys kind of covered it all. I, I there's so many things. You know, I only got to watch the little bit of the, most of the first half because you know I was taking the night off, spending time with the with the misses. And uh, the second half, I didn't get to finish, so I went back and I put myself through torture and watched the second half. And it was like you could completely tell. I mean, it was obvious, and, and it's, you know, uh, I'm not stating anything groundbreaking here, but Alabama completely pumped the brakes and still nearly scored on accident. Like, it was so pathetic. Like, they really should have been in the 50s, high 50s, maybe even low 60s. They completely pumped the brakes. Uh, the John Stephen Jones drive actually should have been a three and out. Like Peck said, they uh, Alabama had a, had a penalty, and John Stephen was able to – get them down the field. And, and if you go back to that drive, a lot of that was success on the ground. Um, but John did do well. I mean, there's, there's, uh, there's something to be said about a freshman red shirt or not. There's something to be said 
about a kid to go to go in there and look completely unfazed like John. I, he looked like he was in his own element, which was impressive. Uh, he would in the he would end the game like you said, six of seven, forty nine yards, uh, and a touchdown with a quarterback rating adjusted at eighty seven point zero compared to Nick Starkle's five of nineteen for fifty eight yards, three picks, three point eight QBR. Woo! F- fantastic. That's a but, W um, right there. That's I how think, you win. I think the John Stephen Jones, like, it's good to see someone come in. But how often have we seen that this year? Is that not bizarre? Every time someone comes in to replace the starter, the backup is more successful. It doesn't seem to matter who it is. Um, and it's it's just it just again it goes to uh, it comes all back to coaching and and having these having your starters prepared. They're clearly not prepared. But um, yeah, that was some of the notes that I took. You know, John Stevens had a nice had a nice. Uh, drive, you know, Waddle, there was a play, it was an end around, or no, it was a screen play and it was completely broken. It was in the fourth quarter. It was, it was a broken play and Jalen Waddle was able to turn around, go the other direction behind the line of scrimmage, which is a big no, no. If you follow football for, I don't know, more than a year, you know, that it's going to result in a negative play. I don't care how athletic you are. You've got to have someone, you know, willing to make a play there he turns it upfield and gets 10 11 yards for a first down yeah. you know i mean these are guys like these these were i think they had backup offensive linemen in you obviously you had your younger guys at quarterback like it just speaks to how unprepared how undisciplined i don't know more of the same i mean copy and paste performance week in and week out by this arkansas team on both sides of the ball uh, you know, so yeah, it's, it's just more the same. I heard Greg McElroy and I thought this was hilarious. This guy in his hot takes, he said during this, when they were covering the game, he says, Arkansas is a better team, not just the talent on the field, but overall they're a better team. Like what ha, has he been watching Arkansas football in 2019? Like, was he watching like maybe film from 2014 or something? Like, what is he watching? What does he, what did he see? that made him believe that this is a better product than what they had a year ago. I mean, there's, there's seriously a question as to whether or not these guys are going to beat Western Kentucky. I mean, let that sink in SEC network. Try, I, I realize what they're trying to do and they're trying to, you know, they don't want to come off overly negative. <laughs> I think we can relate. Um, they don't want to come off overly negative And I understand that, but I, Let's be real. You got to call spade a spade. Arkansas. I mean, it's not even that they're the worst in the SEC. They might be a bottom five team in all of college football. Bottom five, bottom ten. And and again, that's nothing groundbreaking. That's not news to anybody that listens to us here or has paid attention. But it's it's embarrassing week in and week out. Um, I don't know what they do. The question, and I don't know what what we have next. You've got your final four games. Final four, Mississippi State, Western Kentucky, LSU, and Mizzou. What are the odds that now we start to see them do something with with KJ? What are the odds that we see some of these younger freshmen who have not played a down? Like, who are we going to see rotate in and out? That's what I'm going to be looking forward to see. I don't expect the product to get any better on the field. I'm just going to start watching individual, you know, performances. I'm going to see some of these younger guys. That's that's really all I've got for this game and for the future, for, for what's up for Arkansas football. So we're going to take a short break, and we'll come back. We'll share uh, some of our social media experience today, Ty. I think that uh, that will go over well. well. We'll share that right after this short break. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. So hear me out. It's free. My father-in-law always says, the only thing better than cheap is free. So take advantage of it. There's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit from your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all the podcast platforms out there. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to know to make a podcast in one place. So, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome back to the Hawk Talk Podcast, episode number 34. After this segment here, we will have Nate Mason of the Morning Rush on to talk a little bit about some Razorback basketball. So this part of the show, we are going to talk about our experience on social media. Ty was a little bit vocal on the Hog Talk podcast uh, Twitter page today. 
he retweeted a lot of stuff. He also he also tweeted a lot of stuff. And the one that drew the most reaction was the poll that he put out about let's play a game dot 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 CM fired at the end of the year CM known as Chad Morris. And in parentheses, it says, yes, we know this may not happen, but for a second in parentheses of these four names, who would excite you the most Razorback fans or your fifth opinion reply? He gave us PJ Fleck in Minnesota. He's seven and zero right now. Mike Leach of West uh, of Washington State University, Mike Norvell of Memphis, and Elias Drinkowitz of Appalachian State. Ty, what led you to give this po- uh, poll out, and why do you think it gained so much reaction? Are you okay, Jacob? Or you're not stroking out, are we? Are, are you? Oh, Lord. Are you okay? <laughs> so this, you're, so are this you guy ate. So this 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 thing had over 500 votes. It did. <laughs> it yeah. had over 500 votes. A lot of people uh, came on here, and guys like Porter Hayes says Black brings excitement. He's turned around two programs, row the boat. Uh, somebody says Brian Harson, uh, real flavor beeps. He says these folks out here shook by harmless pole. <laughs> and he puts the gif uh, of somebody <laughs> laughing out loud. Our boy Brad Caldwell, who was on last week, says PJ Fleck is the best name of the bunch. But how realistic is it? And then you have a, a guy named Corndog who just put us on blast on a meaningless poll. I mean, I'm trying to find it's so there's so many uh, deals here where it replies is, here that say Corndog is corn Cordology. Sorry, I thought I said Corndog. Oh. Nothing contributes to keeping a disgruntled fan base divided like a stupid, meaningless poll by the media. I roll. It's not a stupid, meaningless poll. Come on now. We were talking about, you know, you know, some real stuff. Ty, why did you do this to gain such a reaction from these fans? <laughs> I mean, um, I mean, it's a poll. It's not like I'm out here trying to you know, blaze some sort of new trail. It's a, it's a harmless poll. I don't know why we got a lot of people triggered with this one. I, I I'm just going to blame, I don't know. I'll, I'll blame who's everybody blame these days when something goes wrong. Donald Trump. I'll blame Donald Trump. He made me do it. We don't get political here and I'm not trying to, but that's who I want to blame this on. I mean, look, I'm blaming this on Chad Morris. On who? <laughs> oh, Chad Morris. I'm blaming it on Chad Morris. Well, that's very true. Fans are, are uh, very excited to, to think about the future without Chad Morris. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's who we should blame this on. Yeah, it's it's just uh, it's it's what do we do at the end of the year? You you do let's say they walk away. PJ Fleck, Mike Leach, Mike Norvell, and uh, Drinkwitz from uh, App State, who uh, who's at ten percent, and uh, Mike Leach was leading this thing at thirty nine percent, almost six hundred votes. That thing's at right now. And if you're listening to this, I think it's still up. I think it's supposed to be up till uh, Tuesday. Yeah. I think. Monday or Tuesday. But uh, anyways, if you're listening to this, you can go take the poll. Triggered some folks. Got some folks triggered. I didn't uh, I didn't think it yeah. would trigger everyone that much, but I did expect some some uh, a little blowback, and that's fine because I was laughing at every one of them. Josh Collins is all about some Houston nut. I don't know if you guys saw that. Uh, it's yeah. not going to happen. I, I don't. Petrino is not coming back. Houston nut's not coming back. Get a grip, fans. It's not going to happen. I don't know where this is coming from. I get the, you know, he's the most successful coach we've had since we've joined the SEC. I understand that. But like we've talked about here before, the game has evolved so much. And then you look at how things ended with Ole Miss. If he's such a great coach, why isn't he coaching? Why? What is he waiting on? So I, I don't I don't get the Houston nut talk. I I. I I like I said, I kind of understand it because of what he did. I get where people are coming from, I, I suppose, but uh, it's it's 2019, not not 2000, you know, or ni- 1999 when he was needed, 98, like when he came in here and he set the world on fire. I get it, but uh, it's not happening. And then the 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 the, the crowd that wants Bobby Petrino, and we didn't. Have, I was surprised we didn't have a lot of those. At least I didn't see. No, I haven't gone through and read every single reply. I don't know how many. How many replies were up yeah, to? Um, John Newton says, "Who would leave? Who would leave his successful program for the uncertainty here?" Well, I mean, 
most jobs, John, are pretty uncertain. Actually, I don't know. Like, that's kind of a, 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 a I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to call John out, but I, I, most jobs are uncertain outside of, you know, the Oklahomas and Ohio States of the world. Uh, knowing he could be fired after only two years, and he might be fought. He might be. He might be fought for his remaining contract. Bielema, which, by the way, if you do a little research, John, there's actually a pretty good case there for the University of Arkansas for the foundation uh, about what's going on with Bielema and his contract. Uh, and then he says those two factors won't bring in a won't bring in successful people. Besides, his his school will match pay or better, and then keep him. And then I am Will replies uh, exactly. No respectable coach will come here after firing a coach after two seasons. Um, just like we've talked about with recruits. Coaches aren't stupid. They know that there's a higher expectation or set of expectations, even at a school like the University of Arkansas. Okay, they understand that fans want more, and and you heard Urban Meyer, although I don't agree with him. I don't think Arkansas, it's going to be a while before you could talk about these guys being a 10-win program, but even Urban Meyer says to the Little Rock Touchdown Club, you can call that what you want. You can say it's coach speak, but I think he knew that that would probably get a response, and I'm not sure that 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 – he completely believes what he says, but at least you know that Urban thinks that this job is worth more than, than two wins a year. So coaches aren't stupid. They know that what's happening here is it shouldn't be happening, and that's why the response has been what we've seen from fans with Chad Morris. So sorry, John, and I am, Will, I am. Sorry, I think you're wrong. I think they could, they could bring somebody in. I'm not saying that that's going to happen. The reality of the situation, the reality is they probably will have to bring Chad Morris back. Uh, with with Brett Bielema's case pending. Now, I could see them settling with that Bielema case. You know, we talked about that briefly. Or maybe I did on my live show. I can't remember. I'm too many places during the week. I forget what I say and where I say it. Um, but I think they might end up settling there. But regardless what happened there, Arkansas has got a pretty good case with that, with, that, uh, with, with Bielema and his breach of contract. But uh, I disagree with these two. I think you can bring in somebody. I think those names on that list – I, I could absolutely see Arkansas taking a shot at them. I don't, that doesn't mean they're going to get them. And, and sometimes the up-and-comers work just fine. Sometimes you got to go get an up-and-coming offensive coordinator, and sometimes they work out. You look at what's going on at Oklahoma. You know, you look around college football, it happens. But, uh, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I wasn't completely shocked. I think I said that in our Marco Polo. I was loving it. The, the, the trolls coming through, it was, it, was, uh, God, it was a thing of beauty. It really was. It's funny. You troll us, we'll troll you back. <laughs> we don't. We don't go down without a fight. And and don't get me wrong. Yeah. I think we also ignore a lot of what people. I think we ignore a lot of the negative stuff. But you know, every once in a while, we're gonna we're gonna take a swing back. But yeah, yeah. what do you guys think? Because I I if I said like and again the question was if Chad Morris is fired at the end of the year, who excites you? Who of those four names? Uh, PJ Fleck, Mike Leach, Mike Norvell, and and uh, Drinkwitz at App- Appalachian State. Who excites you the most? I want to ask you two. What what did you guys think on that? I, I PJ Fleck. I mean, I've seen what he done at Worcester, Michigan. I mean, and for us here around Arkansas, we've seen that being PJ Fleck series with yep. with you know Bo Mattingly, and he made me want to go play football for him. And he's turned around Western Michigan. They went to a big time bowl game against Wisconsin. Now in his third year at Minnesota, Minnesota, where they haven't won that much since Hayden Fox on the TV show. I mean, <laughs> they're eight no. You know? That's a good show. I love that. You show. Know, they're but they're eight no. But he brings yeah. that passion. He is all about his players. Yes, and like I said, his one knock is he's he's he has a cliche, row the boat. But he has proven to win. And I, I think of all those names. I'm totally against, I am against Mike Leach, like some are against Houston Nutt. I just think that he would be a great mind, but I don't think he would get us to that next level to where somebody could come in after him and continue the success. I think that he's more of a speaker and he would say something to get himself in trouble or he just, I mean, his team's four and four right now and they're one and four in conference in the Pac-12. It's true. He's really not faring that much better than, over in the Pac-12, so you're going to put him in the SEC West, and I just don't think he would succeed. He might give us one year of seven wins, eight wins, but after that, I don't, I don't think that uh, 
he would have that much success. So my vote's for uh, P.J. Fleck. And I like that really quick. I'll let Jacob go after I'm done. My only rebuttal to that is the fact that everywhere Leach has been, he has been able to win at that program and take them to another step. But I think you're also right where you bring him here. I could totally see him, you know, maybe first three years. I think he could probably do something like within those three years and, and I don't know, find a way to get to, to a much, much higher winning ceiling that they're currently at. But whatever that is, I don't know down the road, if God willing, they ever turn it around. I do think he would could do that here, but the ceiling for Leach would be really low. I don't think anyone would expect – Arkansas to compete in the SEC West in the SEC West with someone like a Mike Leach. I like PJ Fleck. I'm with you on Fleck. I was kind of torn really between Mike Norville and PJ Fleck. I'm more excited about one of those two guys coming here than I am uh, uh, the Drinkwitz or or uh, Mike Leach. So my first vote would have yeah. been either chalk up PJ Fleck is option one A and Norville one B, and then Leach and Drinkwitz back back down below. Jacob, what about you? Well. I like Mike Leach and Mike Norvell. I mean, it wouldn't be my first or second option. Although I think that you find a Gardner Minshew grad transfer quarterback somehow, and Mike Leach could turn Arkansas's offense into just a shoot. I had Trey Burks, Mike Woods, oh Trey gosh. Knox. Oh my gosh. And yeah. uh, Tidian and, and Hayden Henry. I mean, Hudson Henry. Goodness gracious. This team could be really, this offense could be dangerous. That's true. And, yeah, I mean, I think Mike Leach would fare well for at least the first three or four years here. Uh, Mike Norvell kind of runs the same kind of offense. I mean, he's a guy that loves fast, uh, loves to throw the ball around. I could see them having him having success here. I think, I mean, somebody said earlier, Mike Norvell would just crawl here uh, to take the job. I don't agree with that, but I think Mike Norvell would take the job first. I think he was, I think he would have been the guy if Chad Morris hadn't taken the job. I, I think I read somewhere where Norvell's buyout is not what you would expect, even at a program like Memphis, like something like, and I, I wish I had had it up in front of me, but I thought it was like under a million yeah. for his buyout. There's no way that's right. If that's, if that's his buyout, how the hell is he still there? Yeah. And, and what are the odds that Norvell's still at Memphis? Cause this guy has been really good at, at, yeah. at a school like Memphis. And, and for I'll throw to... another name out there to you. And it, it stinks. And I think me and Jacobs talked about it on the discord is if he wasn't at SMU, I would put his name in the hat, but you know, Chad Morris has kind of burnt that SMU bridge as Rhett Lashley, <laughs> you know, Rhett Lashley, who was he a quarterback for? Gus Malzahn. Then he goes to Gus Malzahn at Auburn, goes and takes his own job at Connecticut, and now he's the head offensive coordinator at SMU. Mm. Yeah. yeah. If, if, if something doesn't happen to Chad Morris, I think you bring in Rhett Lashley. I don't think he's a hot name, a hot co- head coaching commodity yet, but I, I could see him getting one more chance in a big Power 5 conference again. Someone in Discord. Who was it in Discord? Well, I don't know. Uh, they had named a defensive coordinator. Who was the DC they thought would that they could get here? I saw that in Discord today. I was kind of in and out of it. I haven't paid much attention to the board today, but <sighs> uh, uh, was it was it who's that guy at Oklahoma right now? That's the defensive coordinator there. He was being rumored. He ran a three four at UConn, I think, and then went to. Went to Notre Dame, had some good success. Or no, he was at Washington State. He was Washington State's defensive coordinator. Oh man, why is his name just slipping me right now? I'm trying to I'm trying to pull uh, Discord up, but I can't I can't find it. But someone had had Rhett Lashley as the OC, and then whoever that was is a yeah. DC for Chad Morris. He's gonna have to make guys. They got to be solid hires if if they keep yeah. Chad around because nobody nobody's going to come to games. You know, they're averaging what at home? Like 50,000 tickets sold? And, and then how, how many of those are showing up? So uh, there's they've got to make a change and get people excited for next season. you got seven home games. Some solid – you've got a great schedule next year. Uh, playing in three – was that right? Did we talk about that here? They're playing in three NFL stadiums? Yeah. Dallas, uh, Arrowhead – and what was the other one <laughs> back to back stumpers yeah can't remember man we're doing bad tonight we are we're kind of we're off on that but there, there's three games 
Someone's got to Google that while we're sitting yeah. here talking. But it's I'm pretty sure it's three NFL stadiums. But regardless, you've got a great schedule next year. Who's going to be excited about it if Chad Morris comes back and he's still got Craddock and, and Chavis as his, as his coordinators? Who's going to show up? Who's going to watch those games? So they got a real they got a real problem on their hands. You got Mississippi State coming into town next week, and we'll break that down on on uh, Thursday's recording. But um, I don't know how many fans are going to show up to that game. I, I'd be surprised if they sold fifty thousand tickets and if they got you know thirty five forty thousand. Well, shoot, we ought to all just go show up to, to Fayetteville and just grab some tickets off the sidewalk and go into the game. I'll be there. That. I saw that. <laughs> I'll be there with my season I'm gonna, ticket. I'm going to try to go. We we actually got free – I got tickets to the uh, to the Rice basketball game, so I'm going to definitely be trying to go to that. I'm excited. Yeah. So uh, before we go to the break and have Nick Mason on, uh, former Razorback uh, basketball walk on and morning rush uh co-host my pastor this morning he came to me and he said look if god can forgive bobby petrino arkansas powers can as well is he so he's making a case to bring petrino back no he just said you know if if you can if god can forgive bobby petrino we can too and then he said the same thing about Mike Norvell, who who apparently has some issues of his own. Okay, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me stop you right there. Supposedly those aren't true. Yeah. This is that's that what was I was, from I was saying. Yeah. Ruskin and Zach supposedly uh, flattened those rumors, said that that was actually stuff cooked up by the board of yeah. trustees. So I don't know if that stuff on Norvell is true or not, but and, it is strange that he's still there. I mean, a guy with that kind of record at Memphis, yeah. it's it's and, that low of a buyout, but. But this, listen to this. This is my last part, and then, then I'll be done. Then he made his case for Hugh Freeze, 6-3 and three at Liberty this year. He said, look, <laughs> he did some bad things at Ole Miss. And look, he he, he, he preached on Hebrews 10-26 this morning, and it talks about uh, continuing to uh, sin deliberately, although you know the knowledge of the truth. He said, look, look, I'm going to preach on this this morning. Look, Hugh Freeze is done. He, I'm, I'm sure he's a Christian man. But look, if God can forgive Hugh Freeze, we can too. And, and we can let him be the head coach of the Razorbacks. That's my guy. <laughs> yeah, I, he said, I'm I mean, a Hugh Freeze guy. He's I, a Hugh Freeze guy. I don't know if, like, I, I just couldn't see them doing that. I mean, I don't mean to let your preacher down. I just no. do not see them making that kind of hire with all the drama and the baggage. I just thought it was funny. That's the first words he came up to me. He went, uh, yeah. Uh, how are you going to put this on your podcast this week? Yeah. <laughs> Well, I, you know, look, um, if I don't know, I, I'm such a, I'm such a win first, forget everything else kind of guy. But at the same time, it's, uh, you know, I, I don't know if, if, if Hugh Freeze would work. I don't know if, if you brought back Petrino, which obviously they're not going to, I, I don't know, but if they did in some alternate reality, if that would work, I, there really is a legitimate question out there is how the hell do you dig yourself out of it? I mean, you dug yourself into this hole. How do you get out? Yeah. And uh, do you, can you fire your way to prosperity or, you know, can you hire your way to prosperity? That's kind of what they're up against. I, I don't know what uh, the bottom line is. We say it every show we say, it. I say it 15 times a week on my live show and here and there and the, the Thursday podcast. Oh, by the way, I, well, I'll get to that in a minute. Last set, last thing I'll say before the the big reveal. I forgot to tell you guys this before we started recording, so a little bit of a surprise for everybody. Not a huge shocker, but something cool. Um, but the, the, the we say it every week. They're going to have to step away from from my, uh, from Chad Morris. I, I don't see another way out of this. I don't think keeping him around for three years is the answer to anything. I don't think replacing coordinators does anything. At the end of the day, what we've seen for the last year and a half is a reflection of the head coach. And so that's where I'm at with, with, with Chad. I know that we, we, we try to be positive. Nick Mason's going to tell us, or he had told us, I think before we started recording that you can't be too negative all the time. And he's absolutely right. But uh, really quick before Jacob, you close this thing out. I, I, you guys know, I have the, the pig trail podcast where I take the live shows from Monday on the pig trail network and put them on the podcast on Tuesday and Saturday mornings from both the live shows. Then I have a midweek show on Thursday, which I guess I'm calling Thirsty Thursdays. I have no idea. 
but I got uh, I got all my emails today. I'm I'm cleared through like everybody on 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 uh, podcast. So I'm available on iTunes now, Spotify. There's a whole list of them. And it's, uh, just a just a heads up for everybody if you want to go catch those, they are they are out there. But mostly, uh, I dump the whole point of that is to put my live shows on podcast. So those are available if you've got Spotify, iTunes. I'm not. I don't think iHeartRadio. I'm there yet, but maybe one day. So, but yeah. Um, I guess that's all I got for the show. I guess I'm done. I've said enough. <laughs> I've said enough. I've, d- I've certainly done enough on social media this weekend. I think I ought to step away. The Yellow Jacket Drive-In is the hub of downtown Sheridan, Arkansas. They are the home of the Hubcap Cheeseburgers. They'll give you crinkle-cut french fries that will tease your palates. The tastiest shakes in the state at 100 North Rock Street in Sheridan, Arkansas. They are family-owned, fast service, and the folks of the Yellow Jacket are ready to see you. Call in your order ahead at 870-942-2486. Welcome back to episode number 34 of the Hog Talk Podcast. This is your host, Jacob Davis. And Ty and Peck are here as well. And our special guest is Nick Mason, former Razorback. And I guess you can call him a member of the Morning Rush. How are you doing tonight, Mr. Nick? Man, I am doing great. Uh, you know, glad to be on with you guys and you know i always love talking a little basketball absolutely yeah my my favorite sports basketball even though football is king but basketball man that, that's what i grew up playing and and i love to talk a little bit of uh x's and o's and recruiting and stuff like that with basketball so so what's been going on in your life nick what, what's it been like post razorback man uh it's been you know it's actually been great uh this is this is a, a great area, the Northwest Arkansas River Valley area. Um, really, you know, everything Russellville on up is is a great place to be, a great place to do business. And um, so, I've actually done a little business with a bunch of my um, former teammates and guys that I met uh, in college. So, um, being being a Razorback has actually made me a lot of money from radio to events to uh, different business ventures. So, you know, I'll forever be grateful uh, to that hog. There's something, there's something true to that. You hear that a lot about players when they, you know, if they step away from the game or, you know, if they retire, whatever happens down the road, that they can always come back and there's more opportunities provided to them here in Northwest Arkansas. You hear that a lot and it's good to, it's good to hear from a former player to, to acknowledge that. Yeah, it's not, it's one of those deals that there are some people that, uh, there are some people that, that don't quite understand. It's not going to be something now, obviously, too. It's not like I was Ronnie Brewer or that I was, you know, Ryan Mallet or somebody like that. But a lot of people don't understand when you're done, somebody's not just going to come and, and just say, oh, hey, here goes a $100,000 job or whatever. Here you go for doing nothing. <laughs> That's not how it works. But, when you yeah. do tend to get out there and meet people, and not only that, but just the people that I met while being a Razorback, um, a bunch of them have have helped me as well. So it's not going to be given to you, but there is a lot of opportunity um, out there, and especially if you're able to come to the University of Arkansas. That's what I think that that the recruits, that the in-state guys that you're recruiting now, if you're able to come to the University of Arkansas and if you're a winner, if you're able to win and you're able to turn things around, then there will be a lot of opportunities for you after, you know, basketball, football, baseball, whatever sport you play. Well, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I, I actually, I used to work at a Sam's Club corporate uh, a few years back and we had a, we had a couple of ex Razorbacks up there, but um, it, it is cool. It's, all, it's always neat to see those guys out and about and to see them succeeding. And, and obviously you've done really well and, uh, of course, I'm a you know fan of the Morning Rush, and you were there along with uh, Tyler Wilson and and, and uh, Tommy Kraft and those guys, John Neighbors. But uh, let's transfer or uh, transition to basketball. To what's going on with the Razorbacks, Musselman Year One, and I wanted to know just your thoughts on on what we're going to see that might be different, or just how that transition from the Mike Anderson system, the Mike Anderson way of doing things. To the Eric Musselman way of doing things, what what can fans look forward to seeing as far as the product on the court and just kind of what what the style might be like compared to MA system? Yeah, I think you're going to see a lot more sets. Um, I think you're going to see coming out of timeouts. I think you're going to see like quick hitters, and when I say quick hitters, 
you're going to see cross screen, down screen, Isaiah Joe for a quick three, or you're going to see, you know, some type of, of dribble handoff back door, but it will be a specific play out of timeouts underneath out of bounds, sideline out of bounds. I think you'll see a, a lot more of a focus on those type of things because I've seen coaches like Eric Musselman before, and they have a really big belief on, okay, out of timeouts, if I can score this many points a game coming out of timeouts, or if I can get this many defensive stops coming out of timeouts or coming out of halftime um, or the first play of the game underneath out of bounds. I've seen coaches that really put a big emphasis on trying to score uh, in different sets and, and, you know, underneath out of bounds and when the ball is stopped. So I think you'll see a lot more of, of that. And that's what fans have been crying for. I think a lot of it is also too, because they just kind of gotten, got tired of Mike's foul just because he didn't get them where, they thought they wanted to be. Everybody wanted to be in the second weekend of the NCAA tournament, um, and that's what people really wanted. They felt like the Razorbacks um, are good enough as a program year in and year out to be there. So I think that'll be the biggest difference is Musselman will scheme for the opposing team. Musselman will change things game by game, whereas Mike was more of a, hey, this is my style, this is what I'm going to do, and everybody's going to have to, uh, you know, to change up for me. So you mentioned earlier about the in-state prospects being able to, you know, change things up and, and turn around the program. You know, what kind of guys out there in this 2020 class? Do you, you think you think guys like KK and, and Moody will end up maybe signing or, or becoming hogs and, and, and seeing their opportunity to turn this Razorback program around? Hey, so I didn't I didn't think Musselman was going to be able to pull it off when when he first came. Um, you know, I thought that KK would be off to Kansas or, you know, right. North Carolina or Kentucky or that that. And now, obviously, I know he doesn't have a Kentucky or a North Carolina offer, but I thought that's where he was headed. Moody the same way. But here over the last couple of months, he's really been able to turn things around and he really has the ear of all these in-state prospects. So I do think that Arkansas has a much better chance of signing those guys than what I thought six months ago. I'd have bet my life that, that KK and Moses were headed somewhere else six months ago. But verse, but like now, everybody's telling me that they think both of those guys are going to sign. People that I trust, people that um, are closer to the situation than a lot more than I am. So I do think the Hogs have a great chance of signing those guys. And I think those guys provide much needed depth um, um, at the guard position. Uh, I think that as Hog fans, we have all accepted like, okay, hey, you have one or two good guards. You have, you know, Barford and Macon or and then just kind of like that's enough. Whereas if you look at the teams that are making deep runs, in the tournament, they have Barford and making starting, and then they have another Barford and making coming off the bench. And so I think with with KK, and if you're able to add Devo, Desi Seals will be older at that point. Isaiah Joe, if he doesn't go to the NBA, he'll be back. Um, the kid from Jacksonville State, um, JD. If you're, take, yeah, yeah. Now you're just adding much needed depth in in the backcourt, and that that not only helps you in the games, but now whenever you're practicing, you're practicing against other guys that that potentially have a chance of making money playing basketball. And so that's the name of the game. I mean, it's easy. The more pros you get on your team, and that you're able to sub in and out of games, the more games you're going to win. Uh, and that's that's any sport. And so I do think. Um, being able to wrap up this this big time in state class just adds a lot of depth uh, to the Razorbacks, and I think the twenty twenty group has a chance to be special. I wouldn't say necessarily from day one they're not going to roll in and be the Fab Five, but I, I do think that they will have a chance of uh, you know of winning a lot of games in the Razorback uniform. And, and kind of piggybacking off of that, um, you know, with the. Mike Anderson, you know, he, everybody had kind of downed him for not being able to get those top in-state prospects. And, yeah, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. And let me cut oh. you off on this one. And, <laughs> and this is, and now this is not me defending Mike. 
because it's you know it's it's been public knowledge that Mike and I haven't uh, haven't always seen eye to eye. But this is what I will say though: people that started saying that are people that wanted him fired, and I don't blame you for saying it because we've all been brainwashed by people saying he can't get in-state kids. But now, but let's actually look at that. And to be fair to him, okay, I don't I don't really count Archie, him missing on Archie, because that's whenever him and Pelfrey switched. Archie was a senior that year. Arkansas was, I mean, Arkansas hadn't been to the tournament the last five years, and then he's a first-year coach. Archie, he wasn't going to sign with Mike at Missouri. So if you'll give me that one, I don't really count Archie. What everybody's talking about is, Kayvon Allen and Malik Monk, right? Mm-hmm. Whenever we're saying that he can't get in-state kid. You know, after that, he got every every other in-state kid that he actually wanted. If you look, if you look up and down, if you look at Khalil Garland, Darius Hall, Daniel Gafford, if you look at the uh the Hawk Five with Ethan Henderson, Justice Hill, Desi, Isaiah Joe, if you go look at Trey Thompson, I mean, I can keep going on. Even the transfers, he got Atlantis Harris. He was a hog. He transferred in. He was good. Dusty, he was able to get him. So I really think that we need to change that narrative. It's not like it matters now, though, because Mike isn't here. But Mike missed out on those two kids. And after that, he got every other in-state kid that he wanted. A lot of these other guys, if you're thinking about Austin Reeves and Isaac McBride and those guys, Mike didn't really want those guys. So I don't really fault him for not landing guys that, he didn't want to recruit that he was recruiting because they got a, a Kansas offer or a Wichita State offer or a Florida offer. And and so sorry for cutting you off on that, but that has been a lot of people have been saying that. And I just was thinking about it the other day and I was like, he really landed every other person. But this just goes to show you, though, if you don't keep the fans happy, if you're not winning games, they will just start throwing stats out there at you and people will get behind those stats and they will continue to scream those things until you're fired. Yeah, and, and so I guess we can kind of rephrase that as from the fans' perspective. Yes, you know what yes. will it do for for the morale of oh, knowing mean, that we didn't have a chance to get Moody, yes, and now we're able to get to KK and Moody, and even there was uh, you know some speak of even getting McBride. So what what does that do for the fans yeah. of knowing that we've done flipped the script on this? Well, it does. I mean, it, it says a lot. And now I'm going to contradict myself a little bit. And I'm great at that, as you guys probably know, <laughs> the morning rush. It says a lot because if if a Malik Monk does come back through the state or if you have Malik and Kayvon back to back, because I said this, go look at the year where Malik was at Kentucky and Kayvon was at Florida. They were the two or so. They were the two best players, or they scored the most points on the two best teams in the SEC, and both of those teams went to the Sweet 16 or better. So if you're able to keep both of those kids at home during that year, it's no doubt Arkansas goes to the Sweet 16 and possibly could make an Elite Eight or a Final Four run. So it just gives you the chance that that whenever you do have Bobby Porter's come through or Daniel Gafford, Malik Monk, Archie Goodwin, that you're able to land those guys because, I mean – Arkansas, Arkansas is producing, on, on average, it seems like, a pro a year. Uh, if you look over the last 10 years from Sonny Weems, Patrick Beverly, um, if you're looking at Ronnie Brewer, just all these different guys, Malik, Bobby, Dan, all these different guys are coming from Arkansas. And sorry, Patrick Beverly was not from Arkansas. But all these different guys are coming from Arkansas, and they're going to the NBA. And so that's one thing that – you should be able to have in your back pocket at all time is landing in-state kids. And that just gives, you know, the coaching staff a big boost knowing that that one top kid that's going to have a chance of being in the NBA from Arkansas each and every year is going to be a hog no matter what. Well, speaking on that, um, you're talking about fan morale. There's a lot of hype behind Musselman year one. And I, yeah. I, I believe you and I are on the same page with this. Uh, what are what are your Nick Mason? What are your expectations year one for Eric Musselman? Man, I just want to see more in the recruiting game um, because and now now not more. Not saying he's not doing a lot already, but and let me rephrase that. I just want to <laughs> see how he finishes up because right now there's only one commit for 2020 and one commit for 2021. Now. He's on a lot of guys. He's bringing a lot of guys in. They're taking a bunch of these pictures. Everybody 
is loving it. And I'm more concerned of off the court because even if he is able to maybe sneak into the NCAA tournament, this team next year is going to be completely different. I mean, it's going to be a brand new team. So I want to see, is he able to go to the transfer portal and bring in, you know, whatever he needs to patch things up two years in a row? That would be very impressive. Is he able to land these these in-state kids? Which, by the way, it's even harder for him to land KK and Moses because they're not currently playing high school basketball in the state of Arkansas, which mm-hmm. I think that goes against um, against – Eric Musselman and his staff, because it's a big difference whenever you can just go over to North Little Rock or go over to to Bryant and recruit these kids versus having to go to Florida and, and Virginia. And so it's one of those, is he able to land those guys? Is he able to land Chris Moore and Jalen Williams? Who's he, who's he going to be able to add with those guys? Um, and then, too, how's he going to handle the scholarship situation? How is he going to create more scholarships if if other kids do want to come. So I think I'm looking at a lot more things that that don't have anything to do with X's and O's a lot more than on the basketball court because, you know, this team is 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 a patch of job right now. We don't know about Vanover. You brought Jimmy Witt back. You were able to bring in a couple other transfers just to try to be competitive this year. But for me, I'm not going to give him an A, B, C, or D based upon what he's able to do on the court as much as I am based upon everything else. Well, Adriel Bailey had a pretty nice preseason. What do, what do you expect from Dro going forward uh, in 2020, his senior year? Think he, do you think he might make an impact, or you think he's just going to be another, you know, one of those guys that's just a, a role player? Um, I think I think he's gonna make an impact just just based upon I mean how many how many bigs does Arkansas have so let's just say that Vanover does not get cleared now you're talking about you have a rotation of three bigs and and two of those guys are kind of smaller forwards and then right. Reggie Chaney so I do think he's gonna have an impact just just because he's going to be out there for so many minutes and it's tough to not have an impact when you're in the game for that long. So I do think he's going to have an impact. I think he's going to have his best season uh, statistically that he's had being in the Razorback uniform. But now I don't think this is one of those things. If he doesn't get help from Reggie Chaney, he, him by himself, he's not going to like take Arkansas to the next level. He's not going to go out there and average 15 rebounds a game. So it's going to be very important, whatever forward or center is slated next to him. It's going to be very important that they're able to do their job and, and they're able to uh, to help him, you know, on the backboard and and also too to help him defensively because that's what I'm more concerned about. I know that Adro is going to be able to switch off on screens and things, but I'm more concerned uh, about defensive rebounding and whenever right. Arkansas is playing teams that have not even two seven footers, two legit six nine like dudes that are big and that and that are strong around the rim that and that are longer athletic I think that's going to hurt a bunch of times either with Adro at the four or at the five because the lack of size is something that uh that's really going to hurt Arkansas this year uh, that was my next question I was just going to transition really fast the very last thing I think we're we're going to try and get out of you is size yeah going yeah, to yeah, play yeah. An Concern- impact? yes yes it is um big time and I'll tell a quick story I remember whenever we were playing whenever I was on a team in like maybe 2009 and and we would lose games because the other teams power forward or small forward would go out there and get and get like eight or nine rebounds but they would be offensive rebounds and then they would shoot 75 percent from the floor because they would be offensive rebounding over Rodney Clark because at that point Rodney Clark was being stuck on small forwards and so I could see a lot of that in this team not necessarily from the small forward spot but the power forwards and the centers because Adriel was going to be playing center you know Adriel is about 6'5 so there are going to be time and he's not Grant Williams from Tennessee so there are gonna be times where he's stuck at the center spot and offensive rebounds are just gonna come off and guys are gonna have a field day down there so um, a lot of that is going to come to how good the guards are on ball defensively because the only way to help Adriel out really 
defensively is to apply a lot of pressure to whoever the ball handler is and to not make those entry passes as easy as, you know, they've been in the past. Everybody's going to have to box out. And it's going to be it's going to be rebounding my committee. Jimmy Witt's going to have to continue to rebound from the point guard spot. Isaiah Joe's going to have to get in there. Dez is going to have to get in there. And it's not going to be one guy's getting 12 or 13 rebounds a game. It's going to have to be by committee where you look at in your starting lineup, everybody's averaging between four to seven rebounds. I think that's the only chance the Hawks have. Yeah. So, Mason, I, I appreciate you being on tonight. And uh, you, you're invited to come back anytime. Oh, man, appreciate you guys. I had a good one. Uh, call me anytime. Any, well, anytime y'all talking about basketball, if you're talking about football, leave me out. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's like all of our guests. They're like, you they cover football. They're like, no, no, I'm good. Yeah, uh, yeah definitely. There, there's no reason to cover football. <laughs> no, <right now. laughs> definitely. Appreciate you guys. Hey, thanks hey, a lot. No problem, man. Thanks for coming on. All right, guys. Well, that's episode number 34 of the Hog Talk podcast. Thanks for tuning in and and being great fans of us. Also, remember to subscribe and review to our show. Give us a five-star rating and, and everything you want to do. Also, follow us on, on Twitter, on Facebook, uh, the Hog Talk podcast there, on, on every social media platform. Start. For Jacob, <laughs> for the Hog Talk podcast, this is Jacob Davis and Ty Hudson and Peck. We appreciate you guys tuning in. You are the backbone of what we do. Bring Bobby back. Ah, just kidding. This is the Hog Talk podcast. <laughs> TMK Properties is a premier real estate agency for folks looking to move into Sheridan and the surrounding area of Grant County, Arkansas. Tony and Mary Kay Palmer, with their elite real estate agents, are equipped and ready to make your search for the dream home go smoothly as possible. Schedule an appointment with them today at 870-942-0800. Shelby Taylor Trucking is the leading timber company in the business. If you need your lane cleared today, call them at 870-942-7288. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.